1: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at BYTE.com. That's B Y T E.com.
0: Start your confidence journey today with BYTE. I'm JB Pritzker, and I'm going to beat Donald Trump's candidate for governor, Darren Bailey. Don't oh, sound too excited.
2: A new clip? I've not heard that one before. JB fired up. It's up against DB JB versus DB. Oh my God! Did you see the latest DB uh, commercial? Uh, Shia Kapos
0: had it. Well, shout out to Shia Kapoor. Whoa, she's back. D. What would we do without her? Huh? I'm sure it's uh, like positive, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, Wow. You. How do you yeah, always positive? Would you like to see that? Like, a,
2: uh like a camp a candidate saying, you know, I just. I really respect my opponent, and I think basically he's doing a great job. I just think I could do a better job. Yeah, would, could right. you imagine
0: that is that <laughs> No, they have to make the other guy the worst out our peace right It's like conspiracies. Why do all the conspiracies got to be scary? Why can't there be like really cool fun ones? Like the roads are made of candy. Wow, that's a good bit. Did you just think of that? That's <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, that is a good bet. You know why are they? You know It was all candy, then they paved over it.
2: Alex Jones, are you listening? This could be how you restart your
0: career. The conspiracy. Actually, just, there's a conspiracy that everybody loves each other. Yes. Where's the good? Where's the happy positive? I, I know happy conspiracies. <laughs>
2: On oh, the Ben Jarofsky Show, we're filled with happy conspiracies, the happy, happy, happy conspiracies.
0: And some bad ones, too. Your Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, and a lot more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Chicago Reader chicagoreader.com and if you want to help out this program you can chicagoreader.com forward slash Jorofsky j-o-r-a-v is in victory s-k-y it is thursday september 8th <laughs> what's so funny <laughs> i'm doing the bass i love the bass in this song and this is the ben Jorofsky show Your host mm-hmm. <laughs> bass jarofsky
2: hello everybody ben jarofsky here we're calling this oath keeper thursday and here's why I man that was hard to say uh laughing over a bass keeper ben i was at a concert last night by the way and uh the bass player i'm just gonna give a shout out to you in the middle of a uh, of my opening oh this is dangerous this is always dangerous hold on d hold on just don't go anywhere here no, we brother go. Uh, I was um, at a concert where a group of uh, jazz musicians uh, covered Stevie Wonder's great 1972 album, Talking Book, which is an album that uh, I know millennials, you don't know what it is. but hey, neither here nor there. Z's are, totally don't know it. Uh, it's a great album. It's 50 years old. Wow. Anyway, they covered it. Uh, and uh, I'm going to give a shout out. Mary Holm, H-A-L-M, is the name of the bass player. She was sensational. So you know what? The opening part of the song where you go, D That's me playing bass. I was channeling Mary because she, she she played the electric bass, and the stand up bass. She did a great job. All right. Enough on the bass. Let's get down to business. <laughs> uh, Oath Keeper uh, Thursday, I'm calling it. And why? Because the Oath Keepers are in the news. A front page story in the Chicago Tribune. There was also a story in the Chicago Sun-Times. It's all over the uh, Internet as well. The Oath Keepers are a right wing group uh, that uh, loves Donald Trump very much. And uh, the oath that they've taken is uh, supposedly the oath to preserve what they really believe is true about America, uh, which is, I guess, the preservation of MAGA. Uh, and they're police officers, a lot of them are police officers and firefighters and uh, former military men uh, or current military men. So it's kind of scary. You know, like you're taking an oath to the taxpayers and the municipalities and the governments that pay your salary or are you taking an oath to donny trump and mag it's not quite clear uh so it's uh they're f- viewed as an extremist group uh and the front page story i uh, came uh based on a report by the anti-defamation league uh that got hold of a purported membership roles okay uh and they went through the membership roles that had been posted online by the transparency collective distributed denial of secrets we've had uh we've talked about them on the show d we had uh, one of their uh, leaders on the show sounds like a band yeah i know (laughs) it does sound like a a band. band
0: of like 12 people
2: yeah to a lot of people in the band and uh Maybe they they lean a little toward conspiracy theories uh, uh, in their own. Uh, but uh, anyway, they got a hold of the membership rolls of the Oath Keepers, uh, and the ADL got a hold of it, and they went through it uh, and checked out. They went through all the names on this uh, list, hundreds of hundreds of names, and then they... Uh, check those with the uh, lists uh, that are on the internet of people who are public employees, you know, police officers, firefighters, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, and they concluded that there were how many, uh, 883, 883 Illinoisans. Is that how you pronounce it?
0: Illinoisans? Well, uh, Illinoisans. There Illinois, were, there yes, were, uh, how many, how many did you say there were again? 883. Oh, well, well there uh, were 884, uh, I thought it was, I joined it, but I thought it was the Oat Keepers. I thought it was like a a group for people who like to store oats. I I got a ton Uh, of oats. I'm like, wait, Oat Keepers? Holy cow. And I got off of that immediately.
2: Yeah, you joined it because you thought it was a fan club for Hall and Oats. And then you realize it wasn't a fan right. club for Hall and Oats. You love a Maneater. It's maybe your favorite Hall and Oats song of all time. I know that. I hear you singing Ooh, she comes. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, uh tangent there, uh brought on by Dennis. Uh so anyway, eight hundred and eighty-three in Illinois, uh that they uh allege are members of this group. Uh and then there's this one pivotal paragraph which I will now read, which I think is a very important paragraph. And I just want to practice my uh, alliterative skills by saying it's a pivotal paragraph. Say that 10 times, ladies and gentlemen, and see how long you can remain in podcasting. Oh, there's another one. All right. Oh, serious, Ben, serious. Uh, so quote, I'm (laughs) quoting from the article in today's Tribune by uh, John Kilman. Uh, and uh, here we go. Quote, the ADL cautioned, however, that being on the list is not conclusive proof someone is or was a member of the Oath Keepers. Some interviewed by media outlets over the last year, deny they had joined the group or said they had never been an active member. That's a very, very important point. And I'm glad uh, John uh, Keelman of the Tribune put it so high in the story, like the fifth paragraph or so. And I'm glad the ADL pointed that out. That's very important just because you're on a list OK, doesn't mean that you're a member of the group alleging you're on the list. You know, this is a very important, my beloved lefties. It's not, this is not like this wouldn't be a lefty thing more. My beloved liberals and Dems, just because you're on the list does not mean that list is accurate. It's really important to remember this. All right. Uh, there's important principle at stake, and I'm now going to ab- broaden it in a way that my beloved lefties would agree. I don't know about the Dems. But for years, the city of Chicago had a gang database uh, list. A bunch of people's names from the city of Chicago that the police, for whatever reason, had uh, cited as either a gang member or once a gang member. If your name was on that list, that was very problematic for you. Names on a list. You know, well, if the police put your name on a list, you must be a gangbanger. Hence, maybe you're not going to get a job. Maybe when you apply for a loan, you're not going to get a loan. Uh, Maybe this will haunt you for a long, long time. So it was a very, um, like, a frightening moment, I thought, like, just to universally accept that anybody on that uh, gang based list was automatically a gang member. And it's the same thing with this oath keeper list. Just because someone is on this Oathkeeper list does not automatically mean they are a member of the oath keepers, you know. And I feel like what we've lost track of uh, so much uh, in today's political climate is principled opposition. I now, mean, follow me in this, ladies and gentlemen. I talk about this all the time. If you have a principled belief that it's wrong to keep lists. Randomly keep lists, not really knowing how accurate they are, and then have your place on that list dictate what you can do, the freedoms you have, the liberties you have going forth. You should apply that as a principle for the oath keepers and the people on the gang database base list. We just had a guest on the show not too long ago, uh, attorney Matt Topic, FOIA expert. We had a great conversation about Matt's more of a libertarian than I am. And he was pointing out uh, we got into a discussion of Donald Trump uh, and uh, <laughs> this is before the special master was appointed uh, and the documents that were in Donald Trump's uh, basement. We got into a long discussion and he said, just then because the Justice Department and the FBI says uh, this is a bad thing and it's horrible, does not automatically mean it is. I go, you know what, uh, Matt, I got to give you I got to ma- concede that point. Like, so, so many of the same people who are saying it's the FBI, it has to be true, are the ones who are denouncing the FBI. I may have been on that list. But point is, if you go too far in this, if you're too selective, and when you apply your principles, you're not a person of principle. You're sort of like a tactician. That's how I always accuse MAGA. MAGA doesn't really have principles, as far as I could tell. They just have tactics. And they uh, state principles when it suits their needs, and then they ignore them when they don't. So, uh i have, i guess it's good for the goose it's good for the gander uh and i'm really glad a that the adl put that uh uh caution uh in th- their report and i'm really glad that the tribune and john Kilman reported it all right i think no, i got I'm a couple
0: of high school principals in MAGA, by yeah. the way i, think, yeah. I don't know a little that.
2: different a little different all right without further ado i'm going to bring on my distinguished guest uh julie hamos julie are you there Yes. Ah, there you are, Julie. Uh, welcome back, Connor. Uh, Julie was on the show. Oh, I oh, just, joke. it was a while ago. Yeah. With Terry Cosgrove. Uh, and, uh, oh my goodness. We uh, went through the whole history of the ERA. We had a blast doing it. It had to do, uh, with the TV series, which I urge everybody to check out. We're not going to talk about it today, Julie, don't worry, but it was a blast to watch. Uh, Miss America talked about Phyllis Schlafly. Uh, and um, Gloria Stein, um, a great show. Uh, I was obsessed with that show for a while, as was Terry, and I think, Julie, you were as well. We yeah. talked about the history of the ERA. But we're not going to talk about the history of the ERA today, or maybe it'll come up in the course of the conversation. Instead, we are going to talk about the importance, and I can't emphasize this enough, of the two races for Illinois Supreme Court. I know a lot of people probably don't know what I'm talking about, Julie. This is what in Illinois is known as a down ballot race. Uh, In my humble opinion, and you feel free to disagree with me on this. At this point in time, I wish it was the number one position on the race. Actually, at the top of the ballot, I believe is governor or maybe it'll be a senator. I'm not quite sure. One or the other. I almost wish Illinois state Supreme Court uh, would be at the top of the list because I can make the case and I probably will uh, on this show that it's the most compelling uh, decision voters will have to make uh, as to the future of the state. Uh, If you agree with me, uh, state why you agree with me. If you disagree with me a little bit and want to modify what I said, uh, do that as well, but take it away. How important is this race? Yeah,
1: Ben, I totally agree with you. And I think the public now fully is engaged in what, a change in the makeup of a court can really mean with the United States Supreme Court. Well, that's exactly what could happen in Illinois, that there are two races that are hanging in balance. We didn't know this would come upon us, that there would be two open seats, but there are the two open seats that could completely change the makeup of the Illinois Supreme Court, the majority on the Illinois Supreme Court. And that could impact a lot of different issues for a long time. We are electing these two people for the next 10 years. And after that, we retain them for 10 years each time. So this has a, this has a long-term impact, which is the other thing about the ballot. No other, person running on this ballot is are we electing for 10 years and and we know that by the time the voters get to that section on on um, voting for judges they are pretty frustrated they don't know these folks you know they i think a lot of people skip over this section on judges and so therefore it's not in the in the public eye even in illinois when we elect so many judges each election
2: Very good. All right. We're going to take the deep dive on this, but before I do, why don't you give folks a little background on who you are uh, and why you realize uh, these uh, positions are so important. Take it away, Julie. Introduce yourself, so to speak.
1: Okay, thanks. So, yes, I'm a lawyer by training, so I'm already more interested in this than maybe most, but not that. I've been involved in policy and government all my life in many different ways. And I'm not gonna get into my history of that, that's for sure, I was an elected state representative for 11 years, from 1999 to 2010. And then the governor tapped me at that time to come run the healthcare department three weeks after President Obama signed the Affordable Care Act. So again, as a big challenge in the world of policy, I went to implement uh, the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare in Illinois. So I've been. I understand policy. I understand government. But to this, on this issue, there's another feature to this. My husband, my sweet dear husband, who just passed away this year, was uh, was a was a first a trial judge and then an Illinois appellate justice for many years. Before he retired. And as a result of that, in our household, we always paid attention to every single judge, the quality of judges that we were electing. We paid more attention than most. So I have been focused for many different reasons on this election coming up. Okay.
2: Uh, and uh, why don't you just give the name of your husband?
1: My husband was Alan Griman.
2: Right. Uh, who was also, I believe, a state rep for many years. He was a
1: state rep a long time ago, and then he was a judge for even longer.
2: All right. Uh, And you mentioned the uh, uh, Affordable Care Act. This is on my mind today, Julie. Uh, After I talked to you very briefly before we went on the show, I was reading the New York Times, and I saw an article. This is a federal judge who made a ruling. But, folks, this just is another indication of how judges – Uh, are so significant in our lives in ways we may not realize. Uh, But there was a a recent ruling by a very conservative judge who was appointed, federal judge, who was appointed by George W. Bush in 2007. I don't know if you saw this. His name is Reed O'Connor. He's in the Northern District of Texas. uh, And he just ruled uh, just the other day, I think it was on Tuesday, uh, regarding what kinds of preventive care must be fully covered by private health insurance. uh, He's saying that the requirement that eight drugs that combat HIV uh, are unconstitutional. The requirement that the American um, Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, makes that uh, all insurance policies uh, must provide uh, coverage for this drug, that's unconstitutional because, uh, here we go, I'm just going to read you uh, this uh, from the ruling. Uh, The mandate substantially burdens the religious exercise of uh, the owners of this corporation that sued uh, and, uh, because they believe that that drug, quote, facilitates and encourages homosexual behavior, intravenous drug use, and sexual, at- uh, sexuality, sexual activities outside of marriage between one man and one woman. So essentially what they're saying is that the, uh, the people who are objecting have a religious objection uh, to gay people. And so as a result, they're saying that a drug that's intended uh, to battle HIV would encourage promiscuity. They don't want anything to do with it. They don't think it should be a requirement. This judge ruled that they were correct. And so now that drug will no longer be included as a mandate uh, in uh, Affordable Care Act insurance.
1: Well, that's just... But just to be clear, for that one company so far, we don't know how wide ranging this the impact of this is. So people should not get too nervous. The point of this, I think, really is, is that um, you know, 12 years after the Affordable Care Act, there are still companies and people suing to delete things and to change things, and that exactly is the point of the show too, which is that once. Once there's a sense that the, the, the judges are sitting in a spot that could really impact the, the, um, the, a law, a policy, there will be lawsuits brought before that judge. And that's exactly what's happening here. And yeah. by the way, it wasn't just the HIV drugs, I think it also extended to drug addiction treatment yes. required under Affordable Care Act gotcha. and also sexually transmitted disease treatments. I mean we're talking about health care here. That 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 these companies objected to covering health care for their workers. And that's what really is went before that judge and the conservative judge agreed.
2: Yeah. By the way, I got to give Julie Hamos credit on this one. There was no pre-show planning on it. I didn't tell her I was going to cite this story. She knows the the ruling inside and And out already. The
1: Affordable Care Act, too. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 the impact of judges on changing policies. You know, considering the fact that we have all these conservative judges who always claim that they're not activist judges They're not, you know, they're just following the law. They're not activists. They're following what they call stare decisis precedents. They're making all these changes one after the other. It's exactly what we're seeing with the Illinois Supreme Court, and it's what we are seeing with this particular case.
2: And, and with this particular case, and you're absolutely correct, just so you know, and the feds, uh, the Biden administration will probably appeal this decision. Yes. So uh, to Julie's point, it hasn't uh, automatically it's not like carved in stone yet, but it's a serious challenge that you should not fall asleep on, ladies and gentlemen. And it illustrates this larger point. Uh, and that is this, that a bill, once it's passed, uh, we'll get into this in terms of abortion rights in Illinois, uh, can immediately be challenged. And the long term strategy of conservative activists, and I'll call it euphemistically conservative activists, is to immediately challenge uh, every single bill that pretty much every single significant bill they oppose so that they could dilute it, cut it, slice it, dice its impact over time. uh, And if they get a favorable with favorable rulings from favorable judges, this, Julie, you've been seeing this going on uh, in abortion rights, labor law. Oh, my God. Labor law. Uh, in terms of union dues collection, you know about all about that as well. Uh, So again, this is why who is on the Supreme court, uh, the makeup of that Supreme court is so important. Correct.
1: Correct. So should we go back up one and tell your listeners what this, who, what, who the Supreme court is?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So seven members take it away.
1: So, so in Illinois, we are one of the few states that still elects the Supreme Court, but we do. We like to elect our judges in Illinois. So we elect 7 people to the Supreme Court. 3 of those are in Cook County. We're not none of those are up for election. 4 of them are what we call downstate, everything outside of Cook County. And of and what happened this year is that those four districts went through the same redistricting process that we saw for Congress and state legislatures. You know, we've all heard about all these machinations to do redistricting around the country. In Illinois, the Democrats are in control, <laughs> you know, it would be a bright blue state, but, we, but they did have to do A a redistricting of the Supreme Court because that had not been done in many, many years. And it was violating the one person, one vote rule. So the redistricting went on and downstate is more conservative than Cook County. So what happened is that two of those seats downstate are already Republican. Three of the Cook County seats are Democrat. So that's five of the seven. And two of them have nobody, uh, nobody running. Now they're open seats. So two brand-new districts may be leaning Democrat, but you can't tell. Voters are, you know, you can't predict voters. Two districts, one of them is circles Cook County starting north. Picture this, Lake County, and then coming around to all oh, to the west side. One of them also circles Cook County but coming south. So it's central Illinois, what we call central Illinois. So two districts up for grabs, and both parties are going to put huge amounts of money into it. And it's absolutely on the radar of the far-right conservative movement to try to gain those two seats. Because if they do, then the Illinois Supreme Court will be four Republicans and three Democrats. It will have become a majority Republican court.
2: Yes. This is very important, folks. So a lot of my listeners live in Chicago. You will not uh, have a direct role in this election because you don't get to vote uh, in Lake County uh, or uh, in the other district. But everybody
1: knows people in DuPage County, Will County. Think of people who you know outside of Cook County, circling the Cook County districts, and if you'd let them know how important this is, tell them to this is the they need, this needs to be on their radar. So we can all we can all participate because we all know people aside from our little bubbles right here in Chicago.
2: Yeah, and uh, we'll get into the abortion issue because I just wrote about this for the reader, a uh, column that'll come out in a couple days or a day. That. I think is uh, issue number one uh, that the far right will use if they win these two seats to go after uh, abortion freedoms in this country, in this state. All right. So before we uh, get into the issues themselves, let's talk about the candidates. So we'll go with, start with uh, Lake County. Uh, that is the third district. There's um, a vacancy there. And, and talk about who the two, the Democrat and Republican candidates. Go ahead, Julie.
1: Yeah, so the Democrat is a a woman named Mary Rocheford, who is currently a judge. And and a man named Mike, the Republican is Mike Curran. Mark. Mark Curran, thank you, Mark Curran. And I don't know either one of them, um, but I do know that that's the lineup there. In the other district, that's called the second district. So remember, Cook County is number one, of -hmm. course. (laughs) And then the second district is up north. The third district is to the south. The third district has Mary Kay O'Brien, who is a sitting appellate court justice, and, and, a, and a man named Michael Burke. But yes, Michael Burke, who actually was a sitting Supreme Court justice, but recently has been named to be an acting Supreme Court justice. So he's already on the court.
2: Yeah, so he's essentially running for the first time. Uh, and, and the uh,
1: reason that he, by the way, the reason that he is on the court right now as an acting is because the Supreme Court justice who was in that seat, the actual one that we had elected, was up for an election called the retention. And that retention, he was a Democrat, and that retention was taken on, they spent millions and millions of dollars, the right wing, to defeat him with the voters, and they did. He was, he was defeated at the, at the ballot box, the Democrat downstate, and this man, um, Burke, is filling his spot for just two years, so now he has to run to keep that spot.
2: Right. Uh, very good. And uh, all right. Uh, so I happen to know a little bit about uh, uh, Mark Kern, So I'll just uh, step in here right now. He's a Republican running uh, in Lake County. Uh, he used to be a Democrat. He switched over this. This the irony here is so rich. Uh, Julie, he switched over in about 2008 uh, after Rob uh, was arrested uh, and uh, charged with bribery. And, of course, then led to being uh, his um, impeached uh, by uh, the legislators. Uh, and then he went off to federal uh, penitentiary uh, and was released by Donald Trump. Uh, after he and his wife successfully argued that he, t- like Trump, in their minds were the victims of federal overreach. Okay, so he comes back and he, he proclaims himself a Trumpocrat. He's abandoned the Democratic Party and he's become one of the leading flag waivers for the Republicans. And the irony here, Julie, is too much. Mark Curran was a Democrat. He, he just said he left the party in disgust over Rob Bogoevich. And now I wouldn't be surprised. If Rod Bogoyevich campaigns on his behalf, because they're both on the MAGA team right now. And I just I am waiting for that to happen. Uh <laughs>
1: politics, you
2: know, they what did yeah. they say? You no know, permanent enemies, et cetera.
1: Just well, Mary Kay O'Brien, I did serve with, so I, I do know one of the four. Um, personally, I did serve with her in the Illinois legislature, a very solid person, thoughtful, smart, um, has, uh, you know, really has uh, really has done a beautiful job on the Illinois appellate court. She's been there a long time now. And she, um, so that's, she's one of the candidates.
2: Okay. So, um, and, uh, all right, so we'll go back to this. so that's the situation, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it is the Democrat Mary Kay o- O'Brien, uh, versus uh, Michael Burke in one race, Elizabeth Rochford, uh, in, against Mark Curran in another race. Uh, you can find their names on the internet. You can see what they uh, believe in. Uh, I can tell you right now, the most, uh, with a volatile, important issue, I don't know if important's the right word, but definitely uh, the issue with the most electricity going forward right now, in, not only in the state of Illinois, but in the country, is abortion rights. Uh, ever since the Dobbs decision where the Supreme Court struck down uh, Roe v. Wade, uh, there, it's been left up to the states. To pass whatever abortion regulation they want. And we've seen, Julie, uh, in states run by MAGA like Ohio and Indiana and Texas, some pretty extreme Mississippi, which began this, the lawsuit, some pretty extreme anti abortion legislation uh, and so i think people woke up to this issue one way or another Emilia, and, then, and then i
1: think it is important to point out that the one correction i wouldn't make with what you just said is that when you go on their websites for elizabeth rocheford and mary Kay o'brien you're not going to see what they stand for because when you're running for judge you don't do that you don't explain how you're going to rule in future decisions and it always sounds very wishy-washy truthfully to the voters, because they're not as clear as people who run in partisan elections, and they can explain exactly what they stand for. In this particular case, I, like I said, I know Mary Kay O'Brien. I'm vouching for her. I know what she stands for, and I know she's a progressive-leaning Democrat. And, and in the case of Elizabeth Rocheford, people who know her, who have read her opinions, who have talked to her personally and privately, have told us that she is pro-choice and that she's a progressive leaning Democrat, but you're not going to see that as clearly on judges' um, uh, websites as you might, as the voter might want.
2: I, okay. Just do warning. I, <laughs> I do warning. And that's a very important point. And let me yes. address that. Uh, we might as well address that. And I have an objection to this. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if you vehemently disagree with me, but that's okay. I, I, I've been watching politics a long time, Julie. I remember when Clarence Thomas, the charade of his confirmation hearing, when he was directly asked about his position in abortion, and he said he had none, which was so clear and obvious to me when he said it, that that was a lie. And this charade that you're not allowed to stipulate what your beliefs are before you uh, go before the public in terms of if you're an elected judge or you go before the Senate uh, if you're an appointed judge and need Senate confirmation is, to me, a charade. And I'll tell you why. In the abortion issue, there's two essential themes. One theme is that uh, a woman has the right to control what's happening uh, in her body without the state dictating to her. So. Do you believe in that? That's a a fundamental truth. Do you believe in that? The other one says a fertilized egg is every bit as much a human being as Ben and Julie having this conversation. Do you believe in that? MAGA contends they believe in the second thing, that a fertilized egg is a living being as much as anybody walking around uh, on the earth. From the point of conception. From the point of conception, the point of conception fertilized
1: egg later. Yeah. Okay. Know. Yeah. The point, point of
2: conception. Yes. And so it's like you either believe that or you don't believe that. And now you could say you, you a specific ruling, like what you do with that belief when it comes to a very specific case you can't predict. You don't know the circumstances of that pre- specific case. So it's fair to say, I can't tell you how I'll rule in every case because I have to see the facts of that case. But do you either believe it or you don't believe it? And this notion that you're going to hide behind the judge being judge, ju- justice being blind, lady justice being blind. I think that's a travesty. I think that's a charade. And I wish, uh, I wish Mark Kern, for instance, would be honest. I mean, when he was running for Senate against Dick Durbin, he came out and said that uh, John Lewis, Congressman John Lewis, uh, got in bed with Planned Parenthood and was responsible for killing, I forget how many millions of black babies. He said that. It, the quote, you could find that on the Internet. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, do you believe that, justice, judicial candidate Mark Curran? Is that your worldview? Well, I can't tell you because now I'm running for judge and I'm going to have to... You see what I'm saying Julie it's like come on I
1: know I know and and you know what the way that we also can figure out exactly where these candidates stand is from looking at their past their backgrounds like you just pointed out they go to things they've spoken out prior they don't they don't necessarily think that one day this is going to be held against me. they just like human beings, and they express themselves, and guess what? They're expressing themselves in the wrong way, and now we have them on the record. So, yes, uh, they, they, I mean, both, both Republicans in this case have been to pro-life, what they call pro-life, and I call them anti-choice events and rallies. So when you do that, you're expressing your agreement with that perspective, we also know from watching for the United States Supreme Court that these guys lie. They bald faced lie. Kavanaugh absolutely lied. Now, what you just said, Ben, what we've you know what I think the senators, the United States senators, have always done—they've used Roe v. Wade as the proxy for exactly what you just said. So you either agree with Roe v. Wade or you don't. And that was kind of like saying, do you agree with the holding in Roe v. Wade that we have a country that is going to respect the rights of women to body autonomy and not let the, the government dictate to them. And then this guy Kavanaugh says, yes, I yes I agree with, with Roe v. Wade and I agree in stare decisis, the role of president. Then they get in. And they completely like over, you know, they just throw that out the window. So they do lie.
2: Yes, they do lie, and I mean, unbelievable. yeah, it's uh, it's part of the game, and it's uh, and and it all comes back to this notion that somehow or other, a lady justice is blind, and so they can't tell you how they. Uh, but you're right; they do hide behind the notion a precedent has been, which I don't even believe. It like they'll hide behind the notion, well, I can't go against a precedent; it's an established law. That's what they always say. They go, "It's an yeah. established law." Right. I'm not
1: uh, an activist judge. I would yeah. never do that. Yeah. I would
2: never. do <laughs> And I'm like, well, why wouldn't you? If you think it's. Uh, there's it's flawed argument. If you think that the precedent that is set is a precedent that is not supported logically by the constitution or shouldn't is a danger to society. Why shouldn't you throw it out? You know what I'm saying? So even that I think is like a part of a larger game. You're right. And it's all based on this notion that there's activist judges yep. and like respecters of the traditions of the constitution. Anyway. All right, it is what it is. It is what it is. uh, But that's the world we're living in. All right. So uh, the the law uh, making abortion legal in the state of Illinois passed in 2017. There was another law uh, in 2019 that JB Pritzker uh, signed. Uh, Each of these uh, laws are under attack, and we. I began the show by talking about how 12 years. After uh, Obamacare was passed, there are still lawsuits at play in the federal courts trying to dis- just destroy it. We just gave an example of it. Same thing with abortion. People say, oh, well, J.B. Pritzker signed that law. Abortion's legal in Illinois. Julie, explain to folks how that's not absolutely uh, a certainty because of lawsuits that have been filed. Go ahead.
1: Right. Uh, so in Illinois, what, what has happened? just to give us a a real perspective here. In 1989, so Roe v. Wade happened in 1973. Fifteen years later, the the United States Supreme Court for the first time sent a case back that kind of told the states that they would have some role to play in regulating abortion. In Illinois, we all came together, the women's community and the various organizations who cared about this, and said, "Uh uh-oh, This is coming down to to the state level, and we are not a pro-choice state. At that time, Illinois was not a pro-choice state in 1989. Even though it was Democratic, the Democrats were not necessarily pro-choice. And so in 1989, we created, and this is where Terry Cosgrove comes in, we created one political organization that would do electoral work for abortion that was called Personal PAC. Since then, Personal PAC has has worked diligently to to change the outcome of elections one at a time to defeat anti-choice legislators and elect pro-choice legislators one at a time. There's no easy way to do this work. We are now trying to convince other states to do it just like this because we have now a solid pro-choice um, state that as a legislature. As a legislature. So, Illinois <clears throat> legislature has managed over that time to pass really stunning and beautiful pieces of legislation. And most recently, in the last few years, you know, we now have public funding for abortions. We have overturned the parental notification for minors that was required in Illinois. And we passed something called the Reproductive Health Act that really said that this is a this is a fundamental right in Illinois and that if in fact Roe v. Wade is ever overturned then in Illinois, we are not going to have the trigger because we had a trigger on our books. So eliminated that trigger. We're not going to do what all these other states have done where all of a sudden these old laws have popped up because the Supreme Court did overrule Roe v. Wade. So the RHA, very significant new law passed in Illinois. The legislature passed it, but guess what? It's already being challenged. So they don't stop even in the bluest state in the country, the anti-choice community does not stop. And if they ever get a stronghold in the, in, in the United States Supreme Court, that will embolden them to challenge all of these laws one at a time. That's just the reality of it. And that's what we're worried about. We cannot sit on our laurels and rest just because we have a Democratic governor and a Democratic legislature. This is a, you know, we have a system in America That also involves the courts. And even in the bluest state, this could have an impact if this becomes a majority conservative court.
2: Absolutely. And And,
1: uh, and Ben, and Ben, I want to talk about other issues, too, because. As important as abortion is right now and galvanizing, it's not the only issue. It is. No,
2: we'll get to to, absolutely. Uh, We'll get to the other. (laughs) Guns and labor are on my mind. If there's any other ones you want to throw on there, uh, I could do that as well. Uh, I'll just say this. The same argument that was advanced in that case in Texas that I began the show talking about, uh, where uh, the judge ruled that Obamacare was unconstitutional, Uh, because it forced people to uh, uh, go against their religious convictions. Is the argument being employed to defeat uh, the uh, abortion rights bills that have been passed over the last few years? Part of the bill says that uh, Medicaid should be used for abortion so that we don't have this um, class bias, where well-to-do or well, uh, relatively well-to-do women can get access to abortion because they could pay for it, but poor women cannot because they can't afford the procedure. Uh, and so right now, that's the challenge. That's the first challenge, uh, Julie. Just so folks know that'll be... A state
1: state be, funding for abortion, not, yeah, not Medicaid per se.
2: Yes, exactly. That uh, state funding for abortion. Uh, and they're saying that... Uh, it, it violates for people to have their tax dollars go for an abortion is a violation of their religious freedoms. Yeah, so that will be the argument. It'll go before I guarantee you some some point or other, it'll go before the Illinois state Supreme court. If it's four to three MAGA, if it's four justices, I'm just telling you folks, this is how it's going to work. They will chip away. They will rule in favor of just like that judge did in Texas. This is me talking, not Julie, just like that judge did in Texas. And you will lose that, Right, Julie Hamos? I'm predicting that to you right now here on this show. If MAGA takes control of the Supreme Court, that's the first lawsuit they will give to uh, the extreme right. That's my opinion. Your thoughts yeah. on that?
1: Yeah. Oh, no, there's there's no question. And, uh, yeah, and, and I think religious freedom, the United States Supreme Court has already signaled that they're very open to other cases coming before them. Because they're going to more and more, this is a a Catholic-dominated court, I hate to say it, seven out of nine justices at the United States Supreme Court have a religious philosophy, and they're going to use, as a background, religious freedom to overturn a lot of the rights that we have successfully gained over many years, and that will happen in Illinois, too.
2: It'll happen and I'll I'll throw this out. So I know that in Florida right now, there's a coalition of... Of uh, people who have filed suit against the restrictive Florida abortion laws that Desantis have passed, and that includes Jewish groups, Muslim groups, yes, Hindu, group, Hindu groups, et yes. cetera, and so forth, saying yeah, those provisions violate their religious freedoms because they have different religious beliefs than, let's say, a Catholic. A really yes, a, although I've, I've read that the Catholics uh, are some of the the highest. Abortion getters in the country. Just throwing that out there, anyway. So, and let's uh, remember,
1: it's not always, it's not all Catholics. Absolutely, <laughs> is I true that, that within
2: within. Jerry Cosby a Catholic.
1: Yeah, exactly,
2: exactly. <laughs> so I'm just saying, okay, Supremes, if 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 the if a religious group has a right, uh, a religious right, not to have to provide, let's say, condoms. This is a case uh, for uh, insurance purposes. Don't Jewish groups have a right don't they have what about muslim groups and hindu groups and protestant groups i'm just saying once you open that door on religious freedom julie hamos let's see how principled the other side is right 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 thanks all right let's move on to other issues uh i i've mentioned guns labor which which one do you want to tackle first go ahead
1: well I let me let me again, let me put this in somewhat broader terms so that your listeners can sort of get a a, a, a broader perspective, if, if that's OK. Um, you know, when I think of the role of the court in this case, I kind of put it into three different buckets. First of all, there are Illinois constitutional rights and and. Reproductive rights are one of those, by the way. We do provide for the right of privacy in the Illinois Supreme Court, I believe, in the Illinois Constitution. I could be overstating that a little bit. But there are fundamental rights in the Illinois Constitution that are then challenged and go before the Illinois Supreme Court. So individual rights are one bucket of cases that they tackle from time to time. The second bucket of cases are Illinois laws, And in this case, we just talked about the Reproductive Health Act. But there are laws that have to do with consumer issues. You know, the rights of consumers versus big corporate America. There are labor and labor issues, workers' rights issues, the rights of labor unions versus employers. There are gun issues. Those are that can be. Those can be state laws. We want this legislature to pass more state of the more state laws that have to do with gun violence and gun control. Um, those, if if we pass a law, if we are successful in Illinois, in finally passing a law that say restricting the right to have um, to have assault weapons, that will immediately go to the Supreme Court. All, up the courts. Not not directly, but it will go. It will land in the Illinois Supreme Court. So we have laws that that have a whole range of issues that take the, the sort of the balance of rights between you know the special interests and and people. That's a second bucket. And then there's a third bucket of cases that I never ignore because I was a state legislator and I was also in the administration of a a, a governor, which have to do with the administrative regulatory authority Mm -hmm. of agencies to implement laws. Now, the big issue there is climate change and environmental issues. I I will tell you this. I guarantee it. every time the the administration makes decisions to really go further in regulating the rights of companies to pollute, to to have I mean, it's a whole range of issues that have to do with climate change. those are challenged right in right to the courts. And that's we saw that also at the United States Supreme Court. Uh, level where they restricted the right of the EPA to actually enforce their own authority through their administrative rulemaking. A lot of the work of the Illinois Supreme Court has to do with that bucket of cases. So, if anybody out there cares about climate change, there's a good there there is a good chance that whether it's the laws. Or the implementation of those laws through rulemaking and administrative enforcement that would go up to the Illinois Supreme Court.
2: Absolutely, and so uh, just as with abortion, you're not going to find uh, a uh, any of these candidates specifying what they believe. And let's say. No. The rights of the Illinois State EPA yep. to regulate yep. uh, landfills. okay, you know what I mean? I'm just throwing that out. there's a possible lawsuit that could come up. So how does a uh, a smart voter figure out I have an answer to this, but I want to hear your answer to this, what a candidate's position would likely be uh, on these matters?
1: Well, you know, I I am one of those lawmakers. I'm an old-fashioned kind of policy person that really always believed in crossing the aisle and try to work with Republicans and try to come up with some consensus on w- moving forward. You know, whether people like that or not, that just happens to be the way I did business, and I got a lot done, t- truthfully. That was a l- bit ago. Mm-hmm. And they were a different Republican Party. Yeah. And they were a Republican Party that was more moderate And we could work with them. Today's Republican Party and the Republican candidates are extremists. So I hate to say it, but the truth is that the the Republican candidates for any office will tend to be extreme. They're all buying into the same load of you know what. And the Democrats tend to be progressive. So it's an easier... (laughs) Yeah. decision about who to vote for. I don't know necessarily these two Republican justices, as you pointed out, you do, you know, one of them pretty well, but I guarantee you that they will have more extreme positions and more conservative positions for the next 10 years. If we elect them and they take over the court.
2: Yeah. So the, um, the bottom line, uh, is if you're t- tend to think, that climate change is a serious threat to our existence, and you look toward your elected officials uh, and the people they appoint to oversee the state, then your best bet is at this state, a Democrat will rule the way you're going
1: Yeah, it's the Republican Party that has really shifted. And, and, you know, it used to be a different group of people out there running, and they're getting defeated in their own primaries, and they're electing. Uh, For some reason, the Republicans have become very, very extreme. The Republican voters have, and they're nominating and and electing very extreme Republican candidates. So, yes, I think that I am more partisan at this stage of my life than I've ever been.
2: Wow. Well, you've caught up with my mother. May she rest in peace at long last, Julie Hamos, who was a uh, a constituent of yours uh, when you were the state rep from Evanston. Uh, And um, uh, I could just tell you this. Uh, I've been covering the abortion issue, uh, go back to abortion for a moment, uh, in the state of Illinois for a long time. Had many interviews with uh, Terry Cosgrove. And I recall in the 90s, uh, Terry and I... Having very heated debates about some of the candidates he supported, and and listen, he was he's one of the most pragmatic uh, yep. p- politicals I know. It's all about his issue and his issues of abortion right. rights. So and it really worked, <laughs> and, and it worked. And let me—I I, got to say this. I said this in front of Terry when he was at the hideout. I'll say in front of you, Terry Cosgrove and personal pack forced Michael Madigan ladies and gentlemen, forced Michael Madigan to move to the left on abortion. If you view it as a left, just say that. I'll say he forced Julie Hamish. You may disagree with me if you want. I don't care. I know it. I watched it. I saw it. Michael Joseph Madigan was not going to stick his neck out for abortion rights at all in the 90s. Terry Cosgrove, district by district, beat beat Madigan uh, legislators and all of a sudden Madigan is like, Oh, maybe I'll move to the left on this issue. So I'm like smiling. Okay.
1: I know, but I know Michael Madigan pretty well. And when you call it forced, I think that what Terry Cosgrove did so successfully is he convinced Michael J. Madigan that it was good politics to be pro-choice. And that he proved it to him by electing or defeating people as as needed. So it was. Oh, it, Madigan doesn't start with with issues. He starts with the politics of those issues.
2: He starts with numbers, Who, how many legislators he has in his caucus. Yes, what do you think also, he has to do to keep them reelected? If you have a Joseph Lyons from the northwest side of Chicago who is anti-choice, you're yeah. going to support Joseph. Uh, that's your guy, no matter what. Yep. Uh, and But it is a valuable lesson. And I think that people who believe like in uh, in, in, in inc- income equity or who believe in climate change or uh, as a uh we need climate change laws, believe in the labor rights, et cetera, should study from Terry Cosgrove because they can it's learn a true. thing or two. It's true. Uh, and uh then you might find yourself supporting different candidates, interesting enough. Uh but more often than not, and those issues, they will overlap, in my humble opinion, Julie. Do you follow what I just told you? Yeah. Like if you're pro choice, most likely oh, you'll yeah. also be pro labor. Sure, Uh
1: Definitely.
2: and yeah, The Republican Party has come a long, long way. Uh, all right. Uh, any other issues you want to talk about uh, before I let you go? We've covered guns. We've covered no. climate.
1: So, I, so again, uh, to recap, all of your listeners know people in these districts outside of Chicago and Cook County. Just make sure they know how important it is to go down the ballot to where they get to the Illinois Supreme Court. Unfortunately, it's not at the top. It's near the bottom before we start electing a whole bunch of individual judges. So they have to get to that part of the ballot and vote. And then they need to vote for the Democrat in both the second and the third districts. Bottom line.
2: All right, that's Julie Hamo speaking now, Ben Jarofsky. I do not endorse particular candidates, but everybody knows where I stand pretty much. Uh, and oh, just you so you know, so? Uh, yeah, I, I pretty <laughs> much make, make, make let clear. it be known <laughs> where I am. Not, not much has changed with me. Uh, Elizabeth uh, Roachford is the candidate. Uh, you can look her up on the Internet uh, if you want to know more about her. Uh, and Mary Kay O'Brien is the Democratic candidate uh, in the second. Yes. Uh, so if you can look Great, her up, too. You. Thanks for your uh, interest. Yes. All right, Julie Hamos, thank you very much thank for you. taking time to come on the show. I'll talk to you down the road, okay? okay?
1: Thanks. Uh,
2: Bye All right, that's the great Julie Hamos. I also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And as Terry Cosgrove, Mayor K. O'Brien, and Julie Hamos will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. D stands for the marvelous. Give yourself a raise. Take enough petty cash. Peace and love, everybody.